The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. Don't ever lose the wonder of it all. How God, uh, Christ died for us so that we may have a home in heaven. Don't ever lose the wonder of it all. And I'm sorry, brother, if I jumped you. Uh, I didn't mean to do that, but I get excited when it's time to preach. Uh, I do, uh, and I, I apologize about that. But my name is, uh, for those who don't know me, my name is uh, Tim Tilly. I'm an evangelist out of Lexington, North Carolina. Uh, we're a little bit away from home. Uh, but we have we were here uh, a few weeks ago. I guess it's about a month or so. Uh, and uh, I appreciate your pastor. Uh, he got in touch with me and said, "I'd like for you to come back and fill my pulpit while I'm gone." And I never take for granted uh, that a pastor asked me to come and preach for him. It is a humbling experience to stand behind this pulpit and preach God's word. And I appreciate him doing that, and it's just an honor. Uh, the last time we were here, we left, and we went up to Oregon, and we have just made a big loop. Uh, we went to Oregon, down into Idaho, and uh, Utah, and uh, New Mexico, and we were in New Mexico for a little bit. Uh, and then we come back over here. I think we've put about 10,000 miles on our van and uh, we're probably going to put a little more on there, about the same, maybe a little less, before we get back to North Carolina. We'll be back home about the middle of July. Uh, the Lord has has graciously opened the doors for us to go and minister. Uh, and we do appreciate the Lord opening that. When he called me into the ministry, when he called me in to be an evangelist, it's just a humbling experience. When he calls you, he enables you to go to different places. Uh, and I thank the Lord for that. And uh, just for introduce my family, uh, this is uh, my wife Claudette. If you'll just raise your hand right beside hers, my daughter Ashlyn, Sierra, Lindsay, and Kelsey. Sierra, why did you do that? You're usually a little more talkative. Um, but again, I, I do appreciate uh, your pastor allowing me to be here. And it, it was an honor to get to know him by talking and emailing and, and that thing. I felt like we, we've got to know each other pretty good through that. And uh, I appreciate him. Uh, as we go through the message, I just want to uh, let you know, sometimes you will hear a muffle in my voice. And I will try to talk over that. Uh, what that is, is several years ago, uh, I had a seizure, or I had several seizures, and they couldn't get, them, get under control very good. Uh, so they put me on several different medicines, and, you know, it's kind of wild what the medicines will do to your body. Uh, some of them made me really, really grumpy. And we went to the doctor, and my wife went with me, and she said, she told the doctor, she said, I don't know, but you got to do something. You got to change this medicine or something. And so they wasn't able to get it controlled by medicine alone. So uh, what they did is uh, God just kind of orchestrated it all. It's amazing how he put it all together. Uh, but uh, what they have is what they call a VNS. And uh, it's a little battery thing. It's about that big. And it's implanted in my chest. And they've got a wire that runs up to a nerve in my brain, and uh, or a nerve that goes to my brain. It kind of keeps things in, in in the way they're supposed to go. Uh, and it gives uh, every 30 seconds or so, it'll give a little shock, and uh, you may hear my voice muffle out. But I've had it so long, it just I just it doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, but you may hear that. And uh, so that's, that's the reason for that. You'll hear like now, you'll hear my voice kind of muffle. Uh, my family's used to it uh, at this point. But God got it all together. He orchestrated it. Because when it happened, there was two or three doctors. Three. When they suggested that I have this, it was about 30,000 people in the United States. 
that had this thing and had this VNS, and you know that that's not many compared to the United States. Uh, but two of the doctors who had originally put, implanted these in the people were in North Carolina. And you can't tell me that God didn't orchestrate that because we went there and, and uh, praised the Lord. He's got it under control now. Uh, with a little bit of medicine in this, I haven't had a seizure in many years. So I thank the Lord and praise the Lord for that. And God does answer prayers. And I love to hear when we go to different churches how God answers prayers. And he does. He does. All right. Uh, Amos chapter number 4, please. Amos chapter number 4. Um, if you will, we have got some new prayer cards. Uh, we here last year had, or last time we were here, we had some old ones uh, that didn't, well, that was way dated, I think. <laughs> Several years old. And so we went and we got some new ones. And my, my girls, they, they'll have some at the back uh, after service. If you'll please grab one of those and, and pray for us as we travel. Uh, the Lord answers prayers and he's kept us safe thus far. And I pray that he'll keep us safe for the rest of the way. But Amos chapter 4, uh, we'll begin by, there's this ship called the Titanic. And at 11.40 p.m. on the night of the 14th of April, 1912, this ship was en route to New York on her maiden voyage. The RMS Titanic struck the iceberg that would have ultimately led to her sinking less than three hours later. At around 2.20 a.m. on the morning of 15th of April, the RMS Titanic disappeared beneath the surface of the Atlantic Ocean, a disaster that resulted in the loss of more than 1,500 lives. The Titanic was about 882 feet long, 175 feet high. The maximum capacity of people on the boat was 3,547. The total number of people that was on board that time, the passengers and the crews on the maiden, maiden voyage, was 2,223. The number of lifeboats that the Titanic uh, was capable of carrying was 64. The number of lifeboats originally planned for the Titanic was 48. The number of lifeboats actually carried aboard the Titanic were 20. 706, the number of Titanic survivors. The number of people killed in the sinking was 1,517. 1,517. 333 victims were recovered from the sea. Six was the number of ice warnings that they had received. They had received six ice warnings before it sunk and hit that uh, ice or the iceberg. And some said that the Titanic could never be sunk. Well, we see different. They thought it never could be sunk. Well, when we look at this, we realize that the Titanic and those people in there wasn't prepared for what happened. They weren't prepared. They didn't have enough light boat, lifeboats. They didn't have anything like that. But you know, there's something worse. Way worse. If we go to heaven and we're unprepared to meet God. We're unprepared to meet God. That's worse than ever the Titanic. If we go to heaven, or when we go to heaven, if we're saved, we need to be prepared to meet God. And if you're not saved, you need to be prepared to meet God. And we'll show you that here in just a little bit. But that's the title of the message this morning is, Are You Prepared? Are you prepared? I need to get ready and you need to get ready to meet God. And there's no question from the scripture, we will all stand and meet God. We will all stand and meet God. It depends on what judgment seat you will be at. If you're saved, you'll be at the Bema Seat. If you're not saved, you'll be at the Great White Throne Judgment. 
So we all need to be prepared to, to meet God. It's amazing what things will we prepare for. We may be having a big test, those in high school and in college. We may have a prepared a big test or get a presentation ready for school. And I try to teach my girls that don't wait to the last minute. Well, I take classes and I wait to the last minute. And I ask them, I'm sorry, I don't need to do this. But I wait to prepare for the last second. And sometimes I'm not as prepared as I thought I was or I should be. So we get prepared for those things. We get prepared. We come home and we get this special date with our wives and we'll get dressed and we'll get ready. We'll make reservations at the restaurant. But we'll be prepared for that. We'll get ready for that. Some of us are prepared for a tragedy in life. Some of us may have insurance in case of a death, a hundred thousand or a quarter million dollars. Some of us. We get ready for that. Some of us have already picked out a casket. So we're not a burden on other people in our family. I don't want to be a burden. I don't after the Lord either takes me home or I go by the rapture. I don't want to be a burden. And I want to ask you this. Are you ready to stand and meet the Almighty God? Are you ready? You look at your own life. In your own life, don't look at anybody else. Look in your own heart and say, Am I prepared? Am I ready to meet thy God, thy Almighty God? And we look in the scripture. We're going to read here these verses in Amos chapter number 4. So if we'll all please stand for the reading of God's word if you're able. We want to read Amos chapter 4 and we'll be starting in verse number 1. The Bible says, Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring and let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that lo, the day shall come upon you, that he will take you away with hooks and your prosperity with fish hooks. And ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at the which is at that which is before her, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress at Gilgal, multiply transgression, and bring your sacrifices every morning, and your tithes after three years, and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. With leaven and proclaim and publish the free offerings. For this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also have withholden the rain from you, and there were yet three months to the harvest. And I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece where, whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer worm devoured them. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword, have taken away your horses, and I have made the stink of your camps to come up on you, uh, come up unto you your nostrils. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, this is the phrase, this is what we're looking at, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. 
For lo, he that formeth the mountains, and createth the wind, and declareth unto man what is in his thought, that maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your blessings that you give us each and every day. So Lord, I pray you be with us in the service this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll use your word to touch hearts and change lives. Lord, we'll thank you. In Christ's name I do ask and pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Now, Amos, I love the book of Amos. I I love Amos and his testimony that we read in in the book here. You can look and Amos was a a sheep breeder and a gatherer of the fruit. And we can say that, oh, Amos was an old country boy that just farmed the fields, worked out in the fields. Where he was, it was kind of a barren place out there. And he was from the village of Tekoa. Tekoa. And he prophesied in the north in Israel. And he had no training. But he was called by God when he was following the flock. That's a whole nother message. You don't have to be, you don't have to go to college. You don't have to have a four-year degree. You don't have to have a master's degree. God will call you where you're at. And that's what he did with Amos. Amos didn't go to no school back then. He didn't have any formal training, but God called him. Amos opened up his life and said, Okay, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to do. And that's an example to all of us. That we should be willing, and Amos was. See, he went to the center of idol worship in Israel, Bethel. Now you think about this. He called an old country boy who has worked hard for a living, no training, and he goes to the center of idol worship in Israel. And they did, they had some bad things going on. They were worshiping uh, calves, they were worshiping other things, the false gods. So here goes Amos right into the middle of it, and he's preaching judgment from God. He took his life in his own hands when he went in there. God called him, and he willingly went into that center of idol worship. And as we look, we see uh, he was on a dangerous mission. And he was telling the people, look, repent, else imminent judgment. Repent, repent, and unless the imminent judgment will come. And I want to ask you this, Amos tells us, prepare to meet thy God. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet thy God? And you look in in the first part of Amos chapter number 4, we'll kind of of highlight that. And if you look in verse number 1, you see that he said, Hear the word, ye kind of Bashan. Well, he says something here that's not very nice. Back then, in that time, there was women living in this area who didn't do anything. They were fed. They were given everything. And they were known in that area for their, their prized cattle. Their prized cattle uh, and cows. So when he says, you kind of Bashan, he's basically calling them cows. He's calling them fat cows. Now, you know, that may not be the, the, the best thing to do. But he realized what was going on. So as you see, he goes through verse 1, and it oppressed the poor which crushed the needy, which say to their masters, bring and let us drink. So we see what they were doing. They were doing things they wasn't supposed to do. They were oppressing the needy. They didn't care anything about the needy. They wanted things for themselves. All things for themselves. They wanted people to serve them. And that's basically what they did. They had people to serve them. They had people to serve them. And you see what they did to the needy people, to the, to the people needing things. And in verse 2, as you go down, the Lord has sworn by his holiness that, lo, the day shall come upon you that he will take you away with hooks and your prosperity with fish hooks. Now what that is, what he was telling them, it said, look, 
here, the Lord is going to take you away in captivity. That's what he's telling those folks. The Lord's going to take you away in captivity. And he uses some, some descriptions that back then that, was, that you, people understood what they were. So he's telling them, look, you're going to get taken away. And in verse number 4, he says, Come to Bethel and transgress and Gilgal, multiply transgression, and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. Well, in the Old Testament, there was a, a standard that set down that you followed. So Amos here is being a little, little smart, I guess you would say. Because he's being sarcastic about the false worship. See, this is, you see this and it shows just how far Israel had got from God. See, Israel was God's people. But they had got away from God. And Amos is pointing that out. He's pointing that out. And see, this morning as we go in verse 6, that's what we're really going to highlight from verse 6 and following. Just a little backdrop about that. But as we look, verses 6 through 11, or 6 through 13, as we see, I want to think about this. And I'll keep saying, are you ready? Because we need to be ready. And certainly I'm talking or I'm preaching to the unsaved. If you're not saved, you're not ready. You're not ready to meet God. But if you are saved, it could be the same. You're not ready to meet God. Now the difference is, is if we're saved, we're going to heaven no matter what. But if you're not saved, you'll go to eternal damnation. There's a big difference. But are you ready? I'm preaching to the unsaved and the saved. Are you ready? Are you prepared to meet God? In the grand scheme of things, it really won't matter whether you have that, that uh, term paper ready or your taxes prepared or your presentation ready. Now, don't go out and tell people that that preacher that preached Sunday told you, I don't have to do any of that. And it's funny, I preached before and, and one of the teens will go up to the parents, Hey, that preacher said, I didn't have to do my work. In the grand scheme of things, which means this, you have to be prepared to go to heaven. That is the most important decision you will ever make. Is you accepting the Lord Jesus Christ and being prepared to go to heaven. So it will matter whether you are prepared to meet God in heaven. It will matter that you're ready, you're prepared. Now we're going to look through these, these verses and I want to show you four things or four reasons that we, have to, we ought to be prepared to meet God. Now in verse 6, he says, Amy says, And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread, in your places. Now, you look at this phrase, he says, Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. You see that phrase five times. Now, when somebody says something one time in the Bible, you know it's important. When God says it five times, you know he's really trying to make a point to you. He was trying to make a point to Israel. You have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And see, he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And when he speaks cleanness of teeth, he's not speaking of going to the dentist. I really hate going to the dentist. I hope that there's, there's no dentist in here, is it? It's, it's nothing against the dentist. It's against the work that they have to do in your mouth. All the scraping and the cleaning. But that's not what Amos is talking about right here. He's talking about a famine. He's talking about a famine that struck Israel. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying this is, this is a warning unto you. In verse number 7, he says, And also I have withholden the rain from you when there were yet three months to harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece where, whereupon it rained and not withered. See, he's about to highlight these judgments that are coming down in the following verses. 
He's highlighting these things. He's telling us, look, there's judgments coming in, in here, the next, the next few verses. And see, God is seeking our attention today. He's seeking our attention. And he will use whatever means he needs to to get your attention. He will use whatever means that he, will use, that he needs to do to get your attention. And you think about this. Don't he deserve our attention? He's worthy. Deserve our attention. He made us, loved us, died for us in spite of our own sin. He loved us in spite of our own sin. God sent him into humanity and they brutalized him. They hung him on that old rugged cross. Yet all that, he's still sinking our attention. He wants our attention. And don't you think he deserves it? He demands it. But he deserves it. He deserves our attention. So the number one reason why, number one, we are to be prepared to meet God is because of his punishment against sin. Because of his punishment against sin. He is a holy and righteous God. He cannot and will not tolerate sin. Yes or no, would God be God if he tolerated sin? No. Would God be God if he allowed sin into heaven? No. He wouldn't. God is a holy and righteous God and he will not look upon, he will not look aside the sin. He will not break or cover his eyes and hide them from the fact of our sin. He will deal with sin and he has every right to because he's God. He's God. And you see in those verses, we see the judgment. And see, there was a famine God sent there to Israel. There was a drought God sent. And the drought has hit those farmers hard. And you know, you think about in our country, I was looking the other day, as you go down into the south, there's a drought. There's a drought. And it makes you think, maybe God's judging the United States. Maybe he is. I don't know. But I know one thing, he was judging Israel. He was judging Israel. So he sent an, a famine and he sent a drought. And look in verse number 9. He says, I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased. The pommel worm devoured them. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. See, he brought this. He brought, now he's bringing the pestilence. Israel had a, a great crop going. They had a great crop and it looked good for him. And they were glad. They were opening up. They wanted more and more. And they were cleaning out the dump trucks, so to speak. But when they go to open those grain bins and they let out that, there's mildew in there. And that's one thing you don't want in a grain bin is mildew. Why was that? God was judging Israel from them getting away from him. He was judging them. And we see in these judgments. And what does Amos say? Or what does God say here? He tells Amos to say, Ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. He's sending his judgment and God says, Okay, why have you not returned unto me? Why haven't you returned unto me? So we see that he's punishing this sin that Israel was doing, the idolatry, the neglecting his word, ignoring the prophets, selfishness, greed, and pride. We see that in the nation of Israel. And you know what? You and I are to be prepared to meet God. That's what he's saying. That's what Amos is saying. Be prepared to meet thy God. Look at verse number 10. I have sent among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword. And have taken away your horses. And I have made the stink of your camps to come upon you, your nostrils. Ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. See, this wasn't a pleasant time to be living in Israel. See, the, un the unemployment, the economy was at low, the unemployment was all-time high. People were scraping around to try to live. People were losing their houses, so to speak. Israel had people or young men killed with the sword. Young men were going to battle and dying. We've seen that. The parallels are striking. If you look at Israel and you look at our country today, they are striking. They are striking. 
See, God goes from speaking about famine, pestilence, sword, drought, and He goes more personally now. He goes more personally. God says that I've overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and you made it out by the skin of your teeth. You made it out barely by the skin of your teeth. I brought a judgment and you barely made it out. And see, Amos was doing or speaking in a particular context to the nation of Israel. And they in that context. And we, with the Word of God, we may preach and we may see a different context for today. But it applies for us today. Word of God applies to everybody and it always has down through the ages. The Bible says, Malachi 3.6, he said, God says, I am the Lord, I change not. So the same God that created the heaven and the earth is the same God that we have today. The same one who, who judged Israel, who provided Israel with judges to help them through those times is the same God that we pray to today. And in the context of our, our country, I don't know, he, he may, he's judging our country maybe not the same way as he did Israel. But when we get away from God, when we get away from our Christian values that we were uh, that began our country, God's going to judge, and we have to be ready to meet Him. He judges sin today as He did then, and it's only from His mercy we are not experiencing more judgment. It's only from His mercy and grace that we don't have more judgment. And see, we look and we see, Amos was talking to Israel, but we are preaching the Word for us today in our country. I want to get more personal with you. Are you ready and prepared to meet your God? It is so important that you are prepared. It is so important because we will stand before Him. Sometimes we don't think about that. We live our lives as saved folks, as Christians. We don't think what will happen after we die. We just live our life day by day and don't think about the Lord. What will happen at the end? It is important that you are prepared to meet your God. It is important. Sure as you are sitting here this morning, outside the rapture, we will all die. Are you ready? Are you prepared to meet thy God? If you're not, it'll be too late. If you're standing, if you're waiting and you uh, die and you stand before God, it's too late. If you don't settle it here, it's too late. You're not prepared to meet your God. And you and I ought to be prepared to meet our God because of the punishment he gives sin. Number two, because of his patience. Because of his patience. You look at in verses like we said 6, 8, 9, 10, and 11. He says, have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I'm going to tell you, I, I've been learning about, I've been studying God. I've been studying this word. And I still don't understand everything in it. I'm still learning about him every single day. And I'll not learn everything. But I want to. I want to learn as much as I can about the Lord. And I can tell you this, he's a patient God. And I think probably every one of you can say that. He is a patient God. You know, when tragedy strikes and things happen and, uh, you know, hurricanes, tidal waves, all those things. You know, they ask why bad things happen. I can't answer that. I can't. And it's okay to ask why. In the right spirit. But I can't answer that. I don't know why those things happen. But I do know this, is uh, death is a result of sin. It's a result of sin. As certain as gravity is holding us down to the ground, we have sinned over and over again. And because of that, we deserve judgment. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. What does Romans 6.23 says? For the wages of sin is death for the wages the first part of it says for the wages of sin is death 
Sin brings death. And that had there never been sin, there would have never been death. But sin in this world, when you, when you and I sin one time, we deserve death. One time. James 2 and verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. All. We only have to break one law or one thing to be guilty. Romans 3 and verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty for God. All the world. He's long-suffering. He's long-suffering even though we deserve punishment. He's long-suffering. He's patient with us. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. His compassions fail not. Micah chapter 7 verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? And passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in his mercy. He delighteth in his mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. He wants to throw our sins into the depths of the sea. When we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, He remembers sin no more. As far as the east is from the west. And Micah just said, he said, He wants to throw them into the bottom of the ocean. So He remembers them no more. See, He wants to bury those sins in the depth. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. But God who is rich in mercy for for His great love wherewith He loved us. He loved us even though we didn't deserve it. He loved us. Romans 5 and verse number 8. But he commandeth our love, uh, he commandeth the, uh, his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10 and verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10 and 13, For whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him. Call upon him if you're not saved. So you be prepared to meet your God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't do anything to get to heaven. We can't work enough. We were traveling to different states, and we were learning of different religions. and Some of them are works religion. You have to work and work to get yourself to heaven. Well, I ask you this, how much work you got to do to get to heaven? You don't know. But we can't do anything to get to heaven except for one thing. Except the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. That's how we get to heaven. That's how we get to heaven, by grace through faith. See, he doesn't want any man, woman, or child to, have, to go to eternal damnation. First Timothy 2 four says, Who have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. See, that little word right there, when you look in the Bible and you study the Bible, you see different words and one, a word makes so much different. He said, all men. All. He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And when I ask you this, are you ready? Are you ready? Have you been saved? And if you are saved, are you ready? Prepare to meet thy God, Amos says. Number two, we see, uh, because of, or number three, we ought to be prepared to meet God because of his power. Because of, because of his power, he is a sovereign, mighty God. And you see him in this earth who says, prepare to meet thy God. Look at verse number 13. 
The Bible says, For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto man what is his thought, that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. We see the God who made the mountains. I was in, uh, went on a missions trip and to Costa Rica. And when we were there, we had a day off and we got to do some fun stuff, so to speak. Uh, and I enjoyed doing the mission work, but they give us a day off. Well, we had a choice to do uh, between different things. And of course, uh, people wanted to do the zip lining. Well, Costa Rica is known for the zip lines. They're like the, the, the world's best zip lines or whatever. So uh, it was kind of interesting when we chose to do that. We went up to this mountain. We went up to this mountain. And we get to where we're going. And there was this guy there. And he was stomping around and doing and all kinds of stuff. Dancing around. And, he's, and they told us that this was a dance to keep us safe. Uh, Okay, number one, I don't know about all this dancing and hopping around and all this chanting and stuff. But it does concern me about keeping me safe. That I, I, I kind of concerns me. So we go up to the platform and, and we put our helmets on and we're taking our time. To, and I'm standing up there and I'm standing on that platform and I'm looking down. And I'm getting really concerned. So maybe I need to back out of this. But as we get on there and... Uh, as we go across, I realize that it's getting higher and higher because the ground is sinking and it's going like into a canyon. And we run, and I was like, I was praying the whole way, oh Lord, please don't let this thing drop. Please don't let this thing drop. Don't let the straps break. Don't, please. And I get to the other side and, and uh, they tell us, they said, when well, they don't tell you beforehand, but they say, you know how high you were? No, and I don't want to know. And they told us anyway. They said we were like 500 and some feet in the air. I was like, I really didn't need to know that. But you sit back and you look at it. God made those mountains. It's incredible. You go up. And we were traveling all around the northeast. And this is beautiful country around here. And you sit and you think about going up those mountains. And God made those mountains. He is powerful. He made those mountains. And he formed the wind. If you go down south to, to uh, um, where all the, the turbine, wind turbine generators, down to the south near Palm Springs, there's about 4,000. These things are 150 foot tall. And the blades are about half a football field long, about 50 yards. They're huge. So they take that and they take what God makes. And they use it to make electricity. But you know what the key is? God sends the wind. He said this is the windiest place on earth. I don't know whether it is or not. All I know is there's thousands of windmills, turbines that you see as you go along. And they say this, may, this makes, these turbines, makes as much as a power plant. Energy, electricity is a power plant. But see the key is God made the wind that they use. That's how powerful our God is. That's how great our God is. That's how great He is. He made, creates these winds that they use. He declares our thoughts. You know, sometimes I wonder, He declares our, call, our, our thoughts, and sometimes I'm, I'm glad that somebody knows what I think. Because there's times that I don't know what I think. Just ask my wife. But He, but he knows what we think. He knows what we think. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. He knows everything about us. See, that's the thing that you wrap your, your mind around or you try to understand God's Word. And some things we just don't understand and how it works. And we take it by faith. We take it by faith. Like, He has numbered the hairs of your, on your head. I didn't make him work too much for mine. But you know, you think about that. He cared so much for us. He numbered the hairs on our head. And he knows every one. He knows when a sparrow falls. He knows when a sparrow falls. 
He knows every detail of your life. He knows when you're going to get up and He knows when you're going to go to sleep. He knows every... That's how great our God is. And it's hard for me to wrap my brain that He died for us. He created, created the world. He's the same God today that knows what I'm going to think, who loves me and helps me and protects and listens to my prayers. It's the same God. It's the same God. And we be, need to be prepared to meet Him. You look at Isaiah chapter 40, it's known for the prophecy about the concerning of John, John the Baptist or coming of him, the forerunner of Christ. But you look at it and you'll see it describes the greatness of God. Turn with me there to Isaiah chapter 40 real quick. To Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. And we're going to look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. Would you do me a favor? Would you take hands and cup them? Just cup them. Make a cup. Look at this. The Bible says he, the oceans are in like the hollow of his hand. Look at that. The oceans are in the hollow of his hands. That's how great he is. Now, take, take and outstretch your, your end of your pinky the end of your thumb. Stretch as far as you go. That's a span. In Bible terms, that's a span. About five or six inches. And it says here, uh, God has meted out the heavens with a span. When you go outside at night and you look at the stars and you look at the moon, God can measure planets and earth and the universe in the span of his hand. You think about how big our universe is. He can measure that in the span of five or six inches. He can find the hollow of his hands. He holds the oceans. That's how God, great our God is. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of God unprepared to meet Him. Unprepared to meet Him. And if you're not prepared, you'll have eternity to pay for it. You'll have eternity to pay. You and I are to be ready to meet God. Number four, the last thing, is because of His person. Because of His person. Verse 13, the Lord, the God of hosts, is His name. This is God's battle name. This is a name that describes His power and His might. And we ought to prepare to meet God because of His person. He is self-sufficient and self-existing one. He's Almighty God and there's none else. There is none else. He's the bread of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And He's the one that can save our souls. If you're here and you're saved, you've been born again, you better get ready to meet God. You better get ready to meet God. And you say, preacher, how do I get ready? How do I get ready to meet God if I'm saved? You confess all known sin, make it right, ask forgiveness from Him. Ask forgiveness from Him. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, forgive, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's that word all again. All unrighteousness. If you're unsaved, if you're unsaved, you obey one invitation that says to come. That's come. It's one of the most beautiful words in the gospel. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all that all ye that are all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But Jesus says, come. John 6 and 37. And him that cometh unto me, I will no wise cast out. You come unto him, he'll not cast you out. He'll accept you. He'll never reject you. He's ready to receive you. Receive you. Romans 10, 13. That's whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're not saved, come and be saved this morning. If you're not ready to meet God... Come and get ready to meet God this morning. The most striking thing about the Titanic is they were unprepared 
for that iceberg. Oh, my friend, don't be unprepared to meet God. Don't be unprepared to meet God. Let's bow our heads for And we're going to do an invitation this morning. But before we do the invitation, I just want to ask a couple of questions because I want to pray for you. I do want to pray for you. You say, if I'm saved, but God has convicted me of my sin and I fear I'm not ready to meet God. I fear I'm not ready to meet God. If that's you, can I, I see by uplifted hand. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to say, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. You say, I know that I'm saved. Without a doubt, I'm going to heaven. There's no question. I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And I'm prepared to meet my God. If that was you, can you raise your hand? I'll see. I'll see. Thank you. All over the building. One last question. If you cannot raise your hand to either one and you don't quite understand what I'm talking about, or if you know you've never been born again, you don't know where you're going. You don't understand God and His invitation. If you don't know Him, I just want to pray for you. Can I see by uplifted hand? If you're not saved and you don't know where you're going or you're not going to be prepared if you're unsaved to meet God, if that's you, can you raise your hand? Okay. I am going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to have just a moment of invitation. If you need to deal with God, if you need to talk to God, there's no time like the present to talk to God. This altar will be open. Father in heaven, and Lord, I pray that as we go into the invitation that uh, you just deal with hearts, touch lives. In Christ's name we ask and pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Roanoke Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church. 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.